thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Adulting101. That's BetterHelp.com Adulting101. I know my worth. I know what I bring to the table for an organization. So you're not going to yell, scream, cuss me out and think that I'm going to sit here and accept that. I'm not. Now, I may not walk out the door and grab my purse and quit, but our conversation just ended. If I'm employed there, then it's going to be, you know, when you calm down, we can resume this conversation. It's the end of the conversation when you raise your voice because I'm a 50-year-old adult. I'm not a two-year-old child. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. I'm your host, Caspi Bias. Today, we are talking about how to set boundaries with loved ones, colleagues, or strangers. Previously on season two of the show, I had a guest come on to discuss how to set boundaries as a freelancer or entrepreneur. Shout out to Amy Russ. And for those of you who are curious to hear more about this particular episode, be sure to check out Amy's advice from season two, episode three. Though we touched base on setting boundaries when it comes to working with clients as an entrepreneur or a freelancer, we didn't get into too much detail when it comes to setting boundaries with loved ones, colleagues, or strangers. And that's what we're going to get a little bit more into today. Specifically, how to politely and strategically set healthy boundaries. As for my guest for today, I have breakthrough strategist and business life coach, Brenda Underwood. Brenda is a dual certified business life coach and founder of the company Breakthrough for Life. Through her corporate career in ministry service, she uniquely understands the dynamics of both corporate and personal breakthroughs. She is committed and invested to working with others and helping them achieve their goals when it comes to business and personal development. If you haven't already, check out the new Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. There, you can review a few captivating moments from each episode in animated form. Check out the show notes for a link to the series. Brenda, thank you so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. Hi, Brenda. Hey, Caspi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am fabulous. Perfect. Perfect. So for today's conversation, I wanted to talk more about 
how to set boundaries with loved ones, colleagues, or strangers. So as far as my first question that I had, so you were actually my uh, life, life coach previously before, um, and you were extremely helpful as far as developing uh, boundaries in, in general. And I remember that you had mentioned before in one of our coaching sessions that um, self-respect is what causes you to enact healthy boundaries. Would you be able to explain to our listeners um, a little bit more by what you what you mean by this? Yes. When we respect ourselves and we have a standard in which we are going to allow someone to treat us and for us to treat ourselves, you know, self-respect isn't just about boundaries for other people. It's boundaries for ourselves, too. Right. And so when you have self-respect, there's some things you're not going to do. Self-respect really comes from what you feel is the standard of interaction for you and for others. When you respect yourself, you're not going to let someone talk down to you, be condescending, cross boundaries as far as physical limitations, um, as far as your space, because you respect who you are. You respect how you've been created. So you're going to require others to respect you in the same way. Right. Yes. And that's definitely true. Um, Definitely not putting up with disrespect and, and speaking up um, helps you to have more self-respect toward yourself. Absolutely. And self-respect is very much rooted in how you feel about you, your self-worth. Because when you feel worthy, you show up different. Not cocky, but confident. You're a jewel. You bring something to the table. You have something to offer. You don't have to clamor, chase, and cling to someone else because you're not needing them to validate your self-worth. You already feel worthy. So therefore, you conduct yourself with confidence. We teach people how to interact with us based on the boundaries we set. On a job, you set the boundaries. If you, The first time you take a phone call on vacation, you just taught the job that they can call you while you're on PTO time. You don't take that phone call, then they learn very quickly that they can't abuse your time off. Right. I remember this one story that you had told me. And um, if, you, if you're comfortable with talking about it, it was with the story as far as your, if you said it was like the president of during the job interview with him, you talked more about how his management style was. W- would you be able to talk a little bit more about that and what questions you asked them to figure out whether or not that was the right environment to work, work in for you? In my interview, I asked them questions like, you know, who held this position before me? What prompted them to leave? Did they leave or did you terminate? And what was the reason for their departure? You know, sometimes you can ask a point blank question. What's your management style? And then they're going to tell you, you know, I like high oversight, i.e. I'm a micromanager. That means I'm going to be involved in everything you do. Okay. some people work very well with that. Some people do not. Um, But if I ask you point blank, are you a micromanager? Everyone's going to say, no, I'm not. Right. I feel attacked. How dare you? Yeah. You know, but if you ask what's your management style, they're like, well, I believe in high oversight and I meet with my staff every day and at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. And, And so then you have to ask yourself, do I want to submit to that? Or they tell you that they're the type of manager who I want to be able to hire people who can think and can get to an end result without me being involved in every step of the way. 
Can you handle that? Some people can't, right? So asking what is your management style is a more neutral question. So with the particular company that I had shared with you, you know, when I was interviewing with the um, manager of that, I mean, the president of that particular staffing company, I kind of sensed that he had a temper. You know, he was easily agitated. And so I asked him some questions about how does he deal with conflict amongst his staff? You know, and he shared how he dealt with it in all honesty. And I decided, yeah, that's probably not going to be real cool. You know, he mentioned, he said, you know, I have my moments where I may yell and scream and I have my moments where I can be real calm. Well, the yelling, screaming part, that's not going to work for grown adults like me. Right. My boundary is you're going to speak to me with respect, even if you're paying me. Really, anyone yelling at you in general, that is just that's a un no. unacceptable. Right. Exactly. It's an absolute no. We're, I'm not going to yell back. I, it, I'm not going to. It's the end of the conversation when you raise your voice, because I'm a 50 year old adult. I'm not a two year old child. And I don't care mm -hmm. what capacity you're leading me in. When you raise your voice, you cross the line. That's my boundary. So the conversation ends. I will walk out of a room. Well, you're fired. Dude, do you think, I mean, I'm a revenue producer. And so granted, I come to, towards employment very different. I know my worth. I know what I bring to the table for an organization. Right. So you're not going to yell, scream, cuss me out and think that I'm going to sit here and accept that. I'm not. Now, I may not walk out the door and grab my purse and quit, but our conversation just ended. Right. If I'm employed there, then it's going to be, you know, when you calm down, we can resume this conversation. So this particular guy, he was a yeller and screamer. And he said, how do you do well with that? I said, I don't understand why an organization feels like it's okay to yell and scream at their employees. That doesn't work for me. And he's like, well, you know, if you never get out of line, then it's not a problem. I said, but name an employee who never messes up. Name of employer, employee who never, you know, misinterprets information. So that gives you a right to yell at someone that that's just disrespectful to a human being, period. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And during the whole time, you just feel like you're work or walking on eggshells. Um, if you move forward with that particular opportunity. Absolutely. And then shifting gears a little bit in relation to uh, talking with your loved ones or talking with strangers. How does the conversation start to change there? How would you start having those conversations if you say were to try to set boundaries with a with a family member or with with a stranger? Well, you know, family they know you. You know, um, they know your idiosyncrasies. They know your buttons. They know how to push they them. Do. You know, we don't get to choose. We don't get to choose family, but, you know, before I go into family conversation, I want to say this one thing, you know, there's a difference between family and relatives. Relatives are your blood relations. Family are those who choose to treat you with respect, love, and care and have a reciprocal relationship with you. So just because you're a blood relation does not mean you're family. Right. And I can even apply to, um, like even your parents, I know that there are certain situations and I would see like in different movies and with different friends as well, where they would be like, oh, you have to talk to um, your mom or you have to talk to your dad um, or even with other other relatives as well. Like, oh, but you have to talk to them. 
um, or you have to get over what you have to get over with them because they're they're your family, they're your flesh and blood. Just because they are, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to include or take in their toxic words that they throw at you. Parents that are abusive, either physically, emotionally, or verbally abusive. As adult children, you do have a right to say, I love you, but that level of disrespect, I'm not going to tolerate anymore. And so, you know, I can only speak from my own background. Um, I grew up in a military household and my stepfather was very verbally abusive. And I remember a time where I had to sit down with him in respect. You know, this ain't, I'm going to keep it real and let me read you. No, it's not that. It is not that. You still want to deal with your parents with respect. Just because they disrespect you doesn't mean you get a right to disrespect them. And so, you know, I sat down with my stepdad and, and I love my stepdad. I, I mean, he was there. He married a woman with five kids and he stuck with her all the way to the day my mother died. And he stuck with her kids after she died. You know, so I have a lot of respect for him. But I remember one day I had walked into the house and um, I just thought I was just left church in my Sunday's finest, had on this red suit. I just thought I was looking good. And he said, you know, if you ever want to get married, you better get rid of that tire around your stomach and you better die your hair don't no man want to marry a woman with gray hair oh wow and i looked at him and i said you know what i'll be back when you find something kind that you can say to me and i left i mean i wasn't there 15 minutes i left because you teach people what they're allowed to say and do to you by how much access you give them in your life and so wow. after that event i later took him um, to lunch. And I said, look, that verbal abuse that you do, it has to stop with me. When you start showing me some respect and some love, then I'll come around some more. I love you, but forgiveness doesn't mean that you expose yourself to your abuser. Doesn't mean that you have to have reconciliation. Forgiveness is a decision that you're not going to think hatefully towards someone, that you're going to release them for the pain they caused you. But it doesn't mean that we need to be in a deep, close, intimate relationship anymore. Right. It doesn't mean that you actually forgot what happened. It just means that you are letting go of that pain, that that anger, whenever you think about that individual. You're like, you just feel neutral. You just feel chill. Just moving, moving forward. That is what forgiveness is, not not just, oh, I'm just going to go out and forget exactly what this person did to mm -mm. me. When you show me who you are, I believe you the first time. Right. So outlining your outlining your feelings, how you feel about the situation, and then specifically let them know what you yourself are going to do within the situation until they can improve as far as providing respect toward you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this was years ago. This was probably seven, eight years ago. My stepfather and I had that conversation and we've had interaction since then. And he does deal with me with respect. He does speak to me, you know, like he loves me. You know, I can tell there's times where he wants to say something and he bites his tongue. And I'm, I'm like, thank you. Yep. I appreciate <laughs> mm -hmm. that. How would you handle setting boundaries with people when they just happen to be strangers? Like I'll list an example right now. So I, um, I appreciate it when people call me by my name and not by pet names like sweetie, sweetheart, honey, baby, any of those things. 
And um, I noticed as I would get out, you know, get outside and interact with other individuals, I would run into people like, you know, uh, random people like cashiers or um, other people at like retail stores. And they would have conversations like, oh, what can I help? Uh, What can I help you with, sweetie? Or what can I help you with, dear? Different things like that. In situations like that, or just in situations in general, when it when it comes to interacting with strangers who may be disrespectful toward you, how would you set boundaries with them, polite, healthy boundaries with them, when you know you're, you're probably not going to see them again, but it wouldn't feel right if you passed up that opportunity? Well, I mean, it's hard to, because you know, when people don't know your name, they, they will call you, you some pet name. Um, but, you know, just saying, hey, my name's Caspi. You know, because that's typically the reason that someone's going to say, hey, sweetie, do you want me to take your groceries out or do you want, you know, honey, you know, whatever, you know, just expressing my name's Brenda and, you know, you can call me that instead of sweetie and smile and be loving and caring in it. You know, I'm not real big, you know, Brenda of old, you know, she reads you, Brenda (laughs) of new, you know. The Brenda, Brenda, I've become, I've grown into, I've chosen to be. I'm going to try to treat everyone with love, even when I'm setting the boundary, you know? And if you can't adhere, then you just lose access to me. The other day, somebody's kid was pushing the cart and her kid pushed the cart into the back of my heels. That hurts. And so I turned around and I looked at the mother. I said, do you mind grabbing your son so he doesn't run over my feet? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, you can still call people, you know, hold a boundary with a stranger without being ugly with them. Right. And the last thing, because as you know, I have a client in three minutes. Um, The last thing I would say is when we feel trapped and handcuffed to the job, then we are going to feel like we have to put up with disrespect. Right. But if you know your worth, you, I'm always interviewing when I'm, when I worked in corporate, I was always in, if someone called me and said, Hey, we'd like for you to interview. I'm going to see you, even if I'm not unhappy with my job, Mm -hmm. just to go through the interview experience. Right. Have that backup. And and two, have more than one stream of income. Mm When your job is your only stream of income and it becomes threatened, then you get in self-preservation mode. And in self-preservation mode, we all act out of character. But if you had your job and a side hustle or a passive stream of income, which I help my clients create, then all of a sudden the pressure to put up with toxic work environments goes away because now you have options and options always help you get unstuck. Brenda, thank you so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. And as always, thank you, audience, for listening. I'd like to hear from you all as we continue with season three. What do you want to chat about? Who do you want me to bring onto the show? Feel free to reach out at caspielbias at gmail.com. Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias is a production of C-Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.